This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello and welcome back to the Post-Credit Pod. I am Brandon Katz, Senior Entertainment Reporter for The Observer. I'm here as always with Eric Italiano, Senior Editor at Bro Bible. And we are continuing our DCEU deep dive ahead of DC Fandom. Today, we are finishing up the Zack Snyder trilogy with Justice League after we tackled Man of Steel, after we tackled Batman v Superman, Donna Justice. Be sure to check those out because today, I mean, oh, what is there to say about Justice League that hasn't been said before? Arthur Curry, the Aquaman. It's on him. Organic and biomechatronic body parts. He's a cyborg. You should probably move. Barry Allen. Whoever you're looking for, it's not me. You're the Batman. They said the age of heroes would never come again. It has to. We're going to give it a shot, folks, even though I'm sure your opinions and our opinions probably match up pretty well. Eric, to start, just why, in general, is this movie so damn disappointing? i got to be honest, Brandon. This stinks. <laughs> a fair <laughs> and honest answer, sir. Continue. I, uh, As we've been doing these podcasts, I, I look forward to recording them. I look forward to cutting them. I look forward to finding the clips that I splice in from the film itself. I felt none of this, uh, this movie. Um, it is, and you, you sent it to me in, in a great text, it is so generic that I sent to you, I, I said to you, do you know that meme where like this guy said like, he was like, I put 10,000 hours of Olive Garden commercials into like an AI and it would spit out a script. You know what I mean? It, it's like, uh, it's just r- ridiculous. The waiter comes up and will be like, breadstick, may you have? Point being is, it's this joke about how they made the most generic script possible. Justice League feels like an AI's idea of what a comic book film should be. Like Um, you just spit out a bunch of random words that somewhat formed sentences that somewhat formed a loose, nonsensical plot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I think a word that gets tossed around a lot in regards to this film is Frankenstein. Uh, Just sort of a bunch of pieces thrown in. And that is how I felt when I rewatched this last night. It's less so a movie than it is an alien's idea of what a comic book film should be. And I think my problem with it is kind of twofold. Number one, 
it's so retroactively responsive to Batman v Superman. You know, when that movie didn't cross a billion dollars, Warner Media freaked out and kind of shifted gears to this lighter, more color- colorful, kind of generic, happy-go-lucky superhero film that is completely lacking in vision or singularity. And I think that's disappointing that they had to swing so far in the opposite end of the spectrum. And number two, this is the Justice League, man. These are the most iconic superhero characters in the history of superheroes. This should have been at least, at the very least, as epic as Avengers, if not more so since Marvel Studios had to kind of work with what was then considered B characters, even though Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America are all awesome, they weren't like the heavy hitters like X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah. They, they, they were like B-team guys. Yeah, exactly. And, and this was the A-team. I mean, Superman essentially is the archetype for all, you know, modern superheroes. Batman is Batman. You know, it's just insane that this movie, with all of the elements that it did have, all of the history behind it, could be just so vanilla and boring and, and weak and cowardly. Yeah, I think that's a great way, way to put it, cowardly, because I think that, you know, it's so obvious that they're clearly just trying to, oh, you guys didn't like that dark, dark and scary stuff? Here's, like, complete fluff. Complete and utter hollow soulless it's cotton uh, candy, but like cotton candy that's gone bad yes like cotton candy at least you enjoy the first few bites before you're like oh my god this is pure sugar i'm disgusted this there is no enjoyment whatsoever not even and in B- bvs i talked about how much i love the trailers even the trailers for this movie stink stink from the jump we knew okay we're all in fire. yeah yeah for sure for sure they're all they're they're set to like uh, painfully obvious songs. Like one of them set to come come together by uh, the Beatles. Uh, one of them is set to Heroes by David Bowie. I had a dream. It was the end of the world. I think it's something more, something darker. We're asking people we don't know to risk their lives. Strong man as strong as alone. You ever heard that? That's not a saying. That's the opposite of what the saying is. We are not enough. World needs Superman. It's like, all right, guys, we get it. Like, the heroes are coming together. Thank you for the uh, audio cue. Yeah, if we didn't know what was going on, now we do. Hey, there's that 80s pop head. Now I finally understand. It's like, come on, why are you treating your audience like, A, we're idiots, and B, haven't been around, like, the block of superhero blockbusters for a good 10 years by now. You know, like, we know the game, and we know what works and what doesn't and what has been done, and yet you're kind of regurgitating the poorest, most generic elements from all of the failed comic book movies that have come before. It, it is the 
unmet potential that is so saddening because these are expectations of fans that span decades and they coalesce into what? Yeah, this is the first ever live action Justice League film. And, it's and, awesome. and just so just like in that sense alone, it's an utter failure. It, 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 it should have been a once in a lifetime experience, you know? That's the furthest thing from it. Now, obviously, because of all the behind the scenes drama, this was kind of a hodgepodge between Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon. In retrospect, of course, I think everyone would agree that it would have been better, you know, love him or hate him. And I've certainly criticized him quite a bit on this podcast. Love him or hate him, though, Zack Snyder's vision should have been completed. We would have had at least a kind of narrative, thematic, visual through line for these kind of early DCEU features. Having said all that, is there something from Justice League, whether it's the kind of Whedon take on it or the Snyder take, that you did enjoy? Something that is a positive takeaway, if anything. No. The end. The man has spoken. (laughs) So I think we said in uh, BVS that say what you will about Man of Steel and say what you will about BVS. They have the same tone. You you, You could see... Like and you say that there's not much of an arc for Superman in those films, but I think as a general story, you could kind of see what he was trying to do. Uh, I really feel that they belong to the same universe at the very least. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, you know, you you know, you haven't woke up in like a different planet because that's how it feels. Um, so, is there any part of it that I like? And I mean this not as like a like a joke. No, I watched it last night, and there was absolutely nothing that I really enjoyed. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? The costumes look great. That's the one thing that this film did did well. I think the costumes look great. Uh, other than that, there is not a single piece of this film that I'd keep. You know, I will say that the costumes actually don't always look great because the color grading in this movie is so bad where everything, the brightness and contrast is turned up so high to give it like this color explosion, Willy Wonka type look yeah. that the Batman suit, the Batman suit, which we love, we've talked about in the previous BBS podcast, which we love, it doesn't really hold up under such clear, magnified, bright introspection because it looks kind of rubbery and fake. So one of the things that I really liked about BVS, they managed to ruin that as well. Yeah. So I actually have to disagree with you and say the costumes are kind of a weak point for me. I mean, I'm reaching here, Brandon. I'm reaching for something. <laughs> I will say, and I'm going to get to it more, there, there's a few scenes in the movie that I do like. One bit that I think works is the Aquaman sitting on Wonder, Man, Wonder Woman's lasso of truth and kind of have that innermost secrets. Honestly, I think we're all going to be dead way before that. And you know what? I don't mind. It's an honorable end. But we gotta shut Steppenwolf down. Superman's a no-show. You got no powers, no offense. This guy might be working for the enemy, we don't know. You're tripping over your feet and mine. Oof. You're gorgeous and fierce and strong and mm. I know we went to war with the Amazons, but that was before my time. And you know what? I don't wanna die. I'm young, there's shit that I wanna do. I just feel like I never really embraced the sea or the land. I've been alone my whole life, but being part of something bigger like this, maybe I'm scared because I'm meant to.
I think that was beautiful. You say a word about this, or you'll meet every prana I know. I honestly didn't hear anything after we're all gonna die. I will say that's a one bit that I do kind of like, and that I think works for the character and for the tone of this new Frankenstein hodgepodge monster movie. So when re-watching Justice League, there's a lot of things that stand out and a lot of things that should stand out that don't. But what would you say in a movie that isn't nearly as inspirational or cool or entertaining as it should be, what would you say is the single best hero moment in the whole film? So again, this one's tough. It was, it was really hard. I had to stretch. There was no sort of, in Man of Steel, we, we talked about the scene where he learns to fly, how it's legitimately inspiring. And, uh, and then in B BVS, we talked about, I talked about, you know, Batman being brave and stuff when he goes to square up with uh, Superman. There's none of that in this. There's not a single, and I think a lot of, has to do with the fact that we don't understand the villain. Not, not, not only do we not get them, we're, we're not very afraid of him. Like I just, he looks so fake that I never am able to even take him seriously. So I think that because there's no, uh, there's no real moment where they have to be brave, then there's no real hero moment. That said, I only wrote down one because uh, it was one of the only few scenes that I was like, okay, that was somewhat cool. When the Flash goes into like Flash mode and he fingertips the sword back to Diana, uh, you know, he's doing that, his Flash speed and he's going along the walls. And yes, that's a rip from uh, X-Men. What was that? Uh, first Class or? Days of Future Past. Right, right, right. Um, but they found a way to do it a little different. Uh, and it looked, and that's one of the scenes that I think looks cool. Um, and it's one of the only action moments, I think, that also does not look like a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's assessment. Now, I kind of have two answers to this question, and I say kind of because the second one is an example of kind of what to do and what not to do at the same time. Number one, I think the scene where Barry Allen essentially tells Batman, he's like, oh, I've never done battle. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. And Bruce Wayne tells him, save one person and you will know what to do next. Right. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, see, I'm afraid of bugs and um, guns and obnoxiously tall people and murder. And I can't be here. It's really cool. You guys seem ready to do battle and stuff. But full transparency, I've never done battle. I've just pushed some people and run away. Save one. What? Save one person. Uh, which one? Don't talk, don't fight. Get in, get one out. And, and then? You'll know. Okay. That's actually a really small but great and effective example of Bruce serving as a mentor to these young heroes who are inexperienced and, you know, haven't really been superheroes and as a team leader of the Justice League. In the Batman v Superman podcast, we discussed how sustainable uh, an, an older Bruce Wayne played by Ben Affleck would be. And even though we won't get to see him again, I would have loved to see more of this Bruce Wayne moving forward in this universe. Someone who's taking other heroes under their wing 
even though he's kind of the old curmudgeon of the group, he's doing it in a way that's sincere and genuine. And I think was a really nice moment of kind of shepherding a character to his hero moment. So that was one thing I thought actually did work. Number two, one of the opening scenes is obviously Superman, you know, with the, with the camera footage talking to the kids, right? Oh my God. And what they're trying to go for works on paper. And that is that Superman is interacting with children. He's being nice. He's being kind of inspirational. He, he's explaining the symbol on, on his, his chest that means hope. That's kind of the Superman we want to see. And yet, the famous mustache gate, for those that don't know, Henry Cavill was forbidden to shave his mustache for reshoots because he was also filming Mission Impossible Fallout for Paramount. So Warner Brothers had to CGI his mustache away. And it is just, his upper lip is so distracting right away. Like immediately this it's movie- It's the first scene in the movie. Yep, and it's the most hilarious distraction in cinematic history. It's like, if you ask me, it is like, the president is holding a press conference where he is announcing that America is going to war, but the entire time he has a massive mustard stain on his lapel. Yeah. That is the only viable comparison I can make in that it's supposed to be this very important moment that is completely undercut by a hilarious distraction. Well, and, and the last line in that scene, the, uh, the kids are like, Superman, what's your favorite part about the earth? And it did sort of like at the end of Man of Steel where he says like, I'm just glad to be here, wink, wink, camera cuts. It's sort of the same thing they're trying to go for. He like doesn't respond, but he sort of grins and just as he's about to talk, it cuts to black. Yes, it's meant to. It's meant to wind like a river. It comes and goes. My... A man I knew used to say that hope is like your car keys. Easy to lose, but if you dig around, it's usually close by. Did you ever find a hippo? No, that's not hippos have a Um, what is, uh, what's the best thing about planet Earth? Uh, so while I'm with you that I could understand what they were going for, of course, you said the stash is ridiculous. And then I just think, as we like to talk about heavy-handed, I think that that was, you know, I get that people were upset that Superman has been a little bit dark, but I thought that that was just such a extreme over-course correction, especially in the first scene in the movie, to drop you in in a... In a uh, portrait mode shot bit which which is not something that we had seen in this franchise at all um so again and, and as we talked about on past pods concept versus execution this is a case of that on paper good idea how they pulled it off not so much i like that you mentioned swinging too far into course correction because i think ultimately that is the theme of justice league we mentioned it just now that the tone and like the color scheme and the aesthetic, that is a huge course correction from BVS that goes too far. Superman being a arguably completely different person, even after he's resurrected later in the movie, huge course correction. And Batman pulling just the most nonsensical 180 on his opinion of Superman 
is a huge swing the other way as well. I understand that at the end of BVS, he had come around a bit, but the degrees that he is willing to go to here to get everyone on board with the resurrecting Superman plot, it, it is just rings so hollow and false because it feels undercooked and unearned. And that's just a motif that keeps popping up. It's like, hey, like you said, you didn't like the dark and gritty. Here is, you know, popcorn carnival fun. And it just feels so jarring and misplaced. It does not help, too, that, and I think Ben Affleck has since talked about this, about when he, like, talked about how his friends told him that if he played Batman again, they thought he would die. Um, he was clearly going through something when they filmed that. And I think it translates because his performance, whether it's a result of the film itself, it feels hollow. It feels like he's just not all, all there, especially when compared to how good, how frankly good he was in BVS, that sort of intense Bruce Wayne that we both liked is complete, completely gone. Yeah, Affleck was going, you know, famously going through some personal problems during the production of this film. And, you know, we don't need to kind of rehash what the man's went through. And I'm glad he, he's making a comeback right now because I definitely want to see more of Ben Affleck. But really everyone's performance in this film, you could kind of, hold up against a magnifying glass and really scrutinize because it is such a odd mix of flavors, tones, and approaches that nothing really coalesces. And that kind of brings me to my next question, which is who is the real hero of this movie? And sticking with the theme that we have been discussing, I want to say that the real hero is Hans Zimmer who didn't work on this movie. He did the scores for Man of Steel and BVS, which are fantastic, which Eric, you have talked about quite a bit in this pod series. And it is so noticeable that he didn't work on this one because Danny Elfman is fine, he does a good job, but man, is it a step down. The uh, Superman theme that, that, that I love does not appear in it once, not once. Um, why? Why? I don't know. I don't know. The other direction. I, I, I don't know. And now that you bring it up, that's a great point. I didn't even notice the score one time. I didn't even think, oh, that's nice. That's bad. Just completely in one ear, out the next. Yep. Uh, completely, uh, completely disregardable, which is not yeah. what you want out of a major element of a motion picture. Yeah, it's a great pick. I didn't even realize that. My real MVP is the Marvel Studios. Oh, uh, okay. I'm interested to hear this take. I mean, look, the fact is that they pulled this off. DC, Warner Bros. could not do it. Marvel, not, not only did they pull it off, but they did so five years prior. Um, now, you know, we could sort of uh, not discredit them, but roll our eyes at how uh, formula, form, formula, formulamatic? Formulamatic? Formulaic. Formulaic uh, the MCU could feel. Um, but the fact is they've earned that right because they had to put out that set of, um, you know, the, the, those first five or six films to get to this point. And a key part of that is that Avengers worked. Uh, and I think the fact that it worked as well as it did, considering how bad this one makes it look even better. Uh, and then for one that's more in the film itself, I'm going to go with Wonder Woman. Um because she's the only thing worth a damn in this entire movie. If, if, if her scenes and she's not in this and her charisma um, and her action, I mean, her literal physical presence, like if they didn't have her in this battle, they'd be horrendously outgunned. Um, so I just think for a combo of 
how she makes some of the scenes okay to watch and how they would absolutely get their asses kicked if they didn't have her, she's my pick. Side question that's completely unrelated. Who do you think would win in a fight, Thor versus Wonder Woman? Oh, that's a great question. I feel like that is a very good matchup. Yeah, sure. Especially like the, the, the MCU, DCEU versions. I think they are a really close match. I would need more context about like, you know, what their powers actually are. Because we've seen Thor lose an eye. You know what I mean? We haven't seen Wonder Woman really get hurt in that sense. Do, can, can she? You know, well, what does it take? We haven't seen her fly yet, which they keep hinting that she, she can, but just hasn't been able to kind of... They hinted it. that? Where? Uh, I mean, I think her, her giant leaps and the way she's able to defy gravity, that first and foremost. And second of all, because... Patty Jenkins and like Snyder have commented on her abilities and basically smug, like slyly said, you know, like at some point we're going to see her fly. But in like the, uh, the comic book, she has that jet, right? Can she even fly? Got the invisible jet. Uh, listen, in different variations of the comic book, she, she can fly in different DC uh, movies, animated movies. She's flown. She okay. The jet. I think the jet's kind of been phased out in like more recent times because it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it's been made fun of on Robot Chicken and, like, shows like that, which I fully support. Right, right, right. But I like that you kind of said that the MCU is the hero here. And I, I think it's important to note that we're not, like, standing either one side against the other here. I think the MCU is... The MCU, un, inarguably, is the single most consistently successful creation in Hollywood history. But I would say their major flaw is probably feeling a bit formulaic, a bit flavorless at times. And the DCEU, I think, got off to a very kind of tough, turbulent start with films maybe being not exactly tailored to a mass audience and perhaps swinging too far in the kind of deconstruction, mischaracterization uh, approach. So I think both have their pros and cons. And I like comparing and contrasting the two, not to kind of make it a fandom war, but because you get to see what each studio learns and picks up from one another as they go and as they develop. And I think that's actually really interesting, the dynamic and relationship between two on the surface rivals, but really things that are connected because all fans want is good comic book movies. I don't care if they come from Marvel, DC, both, neither, you know, just, just give me good content and I'm a happy boy. Right, right. But the key to good content, at least in these kind of, PG-13 superhero blockbusters, I think a really big crucial key is having the right villain, an antagonist that threatens and worries and terrifies, but is also maybe not so much relatable, but at least understandable. In this case, Steppenwolf. Is, is there a villain? What do you think of Steppenwolf? And is there a villain do you think could have made this movie better? Well, I'm glad that you posed it that way. Cause I, I was going to say, Brandon, for this podcast, we're going to change this one to let's just shit on Steppenwolf for 10 straight minutes. Yeah, I think the fans would like it, but I think everyone's done it before. <laughs> right. And rightfully so. Um, Steppenwolf is awful. I mean, you know, just in, in simple aesthetics, he looks terrible. He looks like he could have been, from a film made in 2004, you know? I mean, the CG that they used on, on him, and it's a shame because the guy who played him is a talented guy. He's the guy from Thrones. Uh, he played Mance Raider, the king yeah. beyond, beyond the wall. 
Um, what's his name? Syrian Hines. Syrian Hines, yeah. Yeah. So he. I mispronounced that one. He's a you know he's a talented guy in that voice. He's got some real weight to it. Steppenwolf. Not only does he look bad, but his his driving goal doesn't make any sense to anyone at any point in the entire film. You don't exactly know what the the mother boxes do. Uh, you don't necessarily understand why he wants them. It has something to do with him wanting to take his place among the new gods. I know in like reading about the film, uh, it's more so he's trying to get back in the good graces of Darkseid. And they touch on that a little bit in, in the film. I'm not even sure if he says Darkseid's name. Maybe once, perhaps. Um, so is there a villain that could have made, made this better? Absolutely. Any other villain, any other villain, Darkseid specifically, would have been better. And it's not against Steppenwolf as a character. I, I, I'm a comic book guy, but I haven't gone that deep into like comic book lore where I know, you know, those sort of fringe guys. But from what I've read, he sounds like a badass character. Uh, but just the way that they brought him to life on screen was a disaster. I have here written in my notes... Why does Steppenwolf look like a turd with corn kernels in it? <laughs> Question mark underline. Yeah, seriously. So that I think says everything you need to know about the CGI. Now, obviously that was also part of the pivot that they made midway through when they kind of switched directors and switched directions. Uh, you know, we ask, is there a villain that could have made this movie better? Yes, Darkseid, the friggin' only villain that makes sense here. One huge problem I have with Batman v Superman is the nightmare sequence, which is indicative of, of a larger trend of raising questions for the specific purpose that they will be answered later in a different movie, which I think is a failure of storytelling for the most part. Right. It, it seems so nonsensical and out of place in BVS because there's literally zero payoff or explanation. You're just like, what the hell just happened? What did I just watch? I don't understand what that has to do with anything. Now, knowing that it's supposed to be answered later on, it's a little bit more forgiving. Well, you had made a good point about that scene, Brandon, and you had said that it's Batman seeing himself at his worst, which I bought that. I mean, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, okay. No, that is what I wanted it to be, to prevent Batman from killing in the rest of BVS. Ah, uh, gotcha, okay. It was, unfortunately. Okay. The, the fact is, they, they set it up in BVS Darkseid's, you know, the Thanos of this universe. He's the end game. He's the big bad. Now, I'm sure in the Snyder Cut that we'll get, and which we'll, we, we will talk about. Which I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, that'll be fun. Now, I'm sure Darkseid's probably going to take a central role. Here, oh my God. It's it just, it doesn't make sense that the questions raised in previous movies aren't paid off here. And by putting Steppenwolf in his place and making the entire movie about Steppenwolf trying to get back in the good graces of Darkseid, you retroactively make Justice League another example of, well, we're thinking about the future. Like, here's the adventures here, but they're only really building to the next adventure, which completely undercuts the importance and significance of what we're watching in the moment. And I have here in my notes, none of Justice League feels like a movie in the moment. It all feels like a throat-clearing preamble to something else. And Steppenwolf is the embodiment of that while looking like a turd with kernel. So it's like the worst of both worlds that you can possibly get. 
you know, and it's funny if you go back and watch the BVS uh, Ultimate Cut, he pops up at the end. Uh, Lex is like in that Kryptonian ship bathwater thing, where he just having a dip, having a quick scrub. Where he where he turns Zod into Doomsday, and uh, it's a quick scene, and and this is when like cops storm in to get him, but he's in this like blood pool, and Steppenwolf is there. And he's like explaining to him how like the boxes work, work and stuff. And even that design looked different and better than the one that we got. So that so not only did they change how involved he was, but they changed his actual look too. I see, mother. I see why you waited to summon me. The Kryptonian's death plunged this timid world into such terror. Amazons, Atlanteans, each stands and falls alone. I know, Mother, you've waited too long for the unity. I know, but you will feed. And my exile will come to an end. I will take my place among the new gods. Find the last one. Its power will cleanse this world. For the unity. For Darkseid. And it's all for the worse. Every time. It's... I can't help but wonder who was making the decisions to swing so violently away from what had previous come. I understand why, because listen. Haven't they since cleared house? Jeff Johns is out. I mean, uh, the uh, CEO is out, right? For the most part, yes. Listen, and if Batman v Superman had made over a billion dollars, we wouldn't be having this conversation because critically beloved or not, Warner Media, Warner Brothers, would have absolutely carried for, forward with Zack Snyder's original bi- vision. But because Batman v Superman, which was still profitable, but because it did underperform relative to expectations, that's why we get this huge 180 by Warner, Warner Brothers. And that is why Justice League kind of is what it is. And that's unfortunate. And it goes to show just how bad that not, I don't know if feeling bad is the right word, but how dumb they feel about it you know as i discussed in our bbs pod the ultimate cut makes you realize oh this is why they're like all right zach sorry we like totally fucked your shit up here's 30 mil more to like finish it out because you could see their their tampering in bvs was a precursor to the ultimate tamper job that they would do in this film yeah and we we've harped on it a lot and I'm going to continue to harp on it with this next question. So what is, who would you give the Jared Leto award for the worst performance in Justice League? Which and, are many candidates. And the award goes to everyone. Is it possible to say everyone? Is there a single good line reading, good moment, good quip, good joke, good anything at all? You've pointed out the one with Batman and Flash, which... I find to be corny as hell. I like the point that you made about how it's Batman being a 
mentor to these young heroes who haven't heroed before, but I think it, it, it's actual tangible quality is poor. You know what I mean? Like th- that Batman has never showed that, that he's in this to save people. Like at what point, at what point does this Batman, this Batman wanted to kill Superman just to kind of flex on him. Be like, this is my planet. Like a couple weeks ago too, in like the Justice League. Time. Right, 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 right. And I just want to quickly hop in because we're talking about Batman. There are four instances in Justice League in which he blatantly disregards any type of security for his secret identity and essentially himself or he lets other people reveal that he is Batman. And it just blows my mind how apathetic Bruce Wayne, especially a season 20 years in the game, Bruce Wayne would be about such a crucial element. And I know secret identities aren't really a point of emphasis in this world, which, you know, dating back to our Man of Steel pod, I actually really like that they kind of have Lois Lane and Clark Kent know who each other are right from the get-go. But man, come on, Bats, like you're a wanted vigilante criminal. Yeah, 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 at least try uh, so just in, in that sense, I think the entire cast deserves it. It's probably not their fault. Um, Nor do I think it's Zack Snyder's fault or Joss Whedon's fault. I don't think it's one person's fault that Justice League is what it is. I just think it's the result of a cascading effect of flaws and mistakes. But if you had to single out one performance, um, the guy who plays Cyborg's dad, who is famous for, for, for that role in uh, T2. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't he's, know, I can't remember his real name, even, even though he is, you know, a long-employed character actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's tough to watch, I find. I find the cyborg scenes in general tough to watch, so. Cyborg to me, and I know I'm going to get Twitter hate for this, but in every single medium, cyborg to me has always been the most boring character. You know, if you like him, great. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying personally, I find nothing interesting about the half-man, half-robot struggle. Have you watched Doom Patrol? Yes. Is it good? Doom Patrol itself is good. But and he's I think not. Cyborg is the weakest element of that. Right. Well, that's why I, I asked, yeah. So my answer for the Jared Leto Award for Worst Performance goes to the CGI engineers on Steppenwolf. I told you. <laughs> more. I don't need to expand any more than that. I think the kind of turd with corn really wrapped it up. But yeah, that's that's my worst performance. Now that's a great shout, Brandon. Well done. You're learning. You're learning. Now to say something positive, though, who would you give the Jim Gordon Award for best performance from a non-superhero? And I will caveat my answer after yours that this is a winner by default. So she's won this one. Uh, I think this is back-to-back for her, but I'm going to go with uh, Lois Lane, who it, who in the first two films w- was given a ton to do. Yeah. And in this, she's given absolutely nothing to do. But you know what? Amy Adams still is trying her ass off. She's really, even because you could just tell that she knows that she's in a pile of garbage, but yet she's, you know, she's dealing with the loss of the love of her life. And I think that she does her best to sell that weight in a film that seems like it's not even from Earth at this point. She was sort of, I felt, uh, the one tie to the previous two Snyder films that I 
recognized um that i was like oh i remember this character that's right she was important she did have these feelings and now she pretty much just go fuck off because that's what they did to her i mean i was actually kind of mad when i watched it how she's pretty much just cast as like the depressed girlfriend uh but she does the best that she can so so i have said previously that i think amy adams is probably the best big screen live action Lois Lane we've gotten. And I did consider her for this role. Ultimately, I give it to Diane Lane. And the reason I didn't give it to Amy Adams, it's not Amy Adams' fault. It has nothing to do with her performance. It has to do with the script in which they've resurrected Clark and her and Clark are back on the farm. You remember? Yeah, yeah. And she's like basically asking him, what was it like to be dead and to come back? Which... I don't know about you, I've never experienced it, but I would have to believe is the most traumatic experience you could go through. Right. And Clark starts to answer, and by answer I mean starts to share his innermost feelings about the single most traumatic experience a person can go through, which is dying and being resurrected. And she fucking interrupts him to talk about herself and how she feels. What was it like? Coming back? Itchy. I mean, honestly, weird in so many ways. But mostly just. I wasn't strong. I didn't know. You would have been very disappointed in me. I wasn't. I was slain, dedicated reporter. I. I'm the idiot who left, but I'm back now, and I'm going to make things right. Now, I understand that Lois should be her own character, but how do you interrupt a man who has just come back from the death and wants to talk about it with the woman he loves? I just thought that was mind-blowingly stupid and horrible and made Lois Lane look like the most self-centered character in the history of blockbusters. Imagine... Jesus Christ comes back from the living. Mary Magdalene's like, hey. And he's like, she's like, yeah, that's sick, dude. But guess what I went through this weekend? Exactly. She's like, yo, you would not believe the line at the downtown market. It was crazy. <laughs> and I just, I'm mind blown that they kept that in the film. And again, that's not Amy Adams' fault at all. That is just a glaring, egregious example of horrible writing that made Lois Lane look terrible. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize that the first time, but now I've got to go go back and watch i'd be like really bro you're you know you're interrupting me while i'm talking about my resurrection yeah amy like or lois yeah it's like uh it's nice to see you too (laughs) seriously and speaking of clark coming back to life here is an actual quote from henry cavill in which he is basically answering the question of how the dceu will explain how clark is coming back to life after clark himself was given a funeral in BVS. He says, it's a tricky one, but the wonderful thing about movies is the suspension of disbelief. We're talking about a guy that can fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes. So there are ways of doing it, but telling these stories is about enjoyment, enjoyment for the viewer. And so we could spend hours of movies explaining why and how Clark comes back is not what you want to see, end quote. That to me is a substitute for basically our writing sucks and we can't explain it, so we're not even going to try, which is just 
a kind of indicative of a larger trend of apathy and incapability with Justice League. And it's even more absurd considering the fact that the playbook is out there. Superman has returned from the dead before. It's not like you have to reinvent the wheel. There was plenty that they could have cribbed from older stories to try try and, you know, explain it. It's insane to me. Just asinine. Yeah. Oh, good old Justice League. If for nothing else, it provides an endless stream of laughs. Yeah, but I was going to say, it doesn't, like, count as so bad it's good. I don't think it, it deserves that. I, it's so bad it's bad. I There's, think there are worse movies that worst movies that exist in the universe, but the because it's so generic and vanilla, it doesn't even get to qualify, like you said, for so bad that it's interesting. It is wholly uncompelling at every moment, which is very frustrating. Right, yeah. So sticking with casting for a second, what would you say is the pleasantly surprising casting or cameo of this movie? Because in previous DCEU movies, you and I have both agreed that casting has been one of the strongest elements. Here, right? I, I, exactly. There's nothing to pick from. It's slim pickings. Uh, so, and I, and I am so jaded by this whole film that I didn't even bother to Google this guy's name. I'm just going to say it how I know it. He played Roose Bolton in Thrones. He's in the scene where uh, it's one of the first one or two scenes. Uh, Wonder Woman's introduction for last right. Wonder Woman like shows up to save the day and he's like the main villain. Uh, and uh, and that's how bottom barrel this film is. That it just I was just like, oh, that guy's sick. And then he's dead in like a minute. Like you said, some slim pickings, but I'm going to go with Mindhunter's Holt McCallany, who is kind of the petty criminal Batman is chasing in one of the first few scenes. Listen, is his character important or, you know, serve a, a really important role? in nope. the <laughs> No, not really. But that's a solid actor that I liked in that Netflix yep. show. Hey, there he is in Justice League. Exactly. I thought the same thing. And it's, you know, it's crazy because a guy like that, like, for him to take a role that small, it's like, oh, damn, dude. Like, I mean, I'm sure for him it's a check, but, you know, yeah, you think a guy, a guy like that would have more than one scene. But, you know, if they offer me one scene in Justice League, I'm taking it. Because, remember, they're, they're doing it at the beginning of the process. They don't know this movie's going to be garbage. Right. right. Uh, the next category I want to talk to, the 10-year award for worst line of dialogue. We have spoken ad nauseum oh, about Christ. how subpar the writing is. Shut, just shut the pod down now, Brandon. Shut, shut it all down. Right, guys, that was it. Great talk. <laughs> we shouldn't even bother. We shouldn't even bother. But if we had to bother, what are you going with? All right. I've got a few here. Shock. Um, Cyborg. When they save the day, he goes, my toes hurt. I don't even understand the physics of how my toes hurt. And that is just one of those jokes you could tell that they just forced in there to try and be like, you guys like quips, right? Here's a quip. Here's a quip. Please take it. Um, the Flash, when he goes to see his dad, I, I have to skip the entire scene. I just, I fast forward through the whole thing. When he says, the investigation was botched. Awful. And then my third one is when the team kind of gets their ass kicked for like, the first time and they go back to the bat cave aquaman goes full kyle having just chugged a red bull rage mode and just starts like knocking shit over like 
express myself as physically. And then I, I, it's like cyborg or whatever. Someone's just like, what the hell are you doing? Like, it's on. a disaster. You could put the entire script here, dude. I am sticking with you in terms of picking on a specific reshoot joke that was added. And that would be Flash's entire rant on brunch. Like brunch, like what is brunch? You wait in line for an hour for essentially lunch. I mean, I don't know. People are a little slow. Not only is it unfunny, not only is it needlessly silly, but as a strong proponent of brunch myself, I found it to be a personal attack by Warner Media on one Brandon Katz. I will be patiently awaiting your public apology, Warner Brothers. I will be waiting, and I expect it. It's a very brunch shirt you have on there. Yeah, for, you guys can't see, but I've got a light blue polo with a little pink polo horse because you know what? This man, this man, when he says he likes brunch, you, you fucking believe him. I do it. Eggs, Benny, <laughs> all day. All day. Give me, I want, You're like, right, though. That's a terrible lie. And, and, and it's in a somewhat serious scene. Like, yeah. not a serious scene, but it's just like, at least in, uh, you know, the cyborg joke that I brought up, the drama is over. The villain has yeah. been vanquished. So if there is a time to joke, it's then. This it's one, is, Bruce shows up at his fucking home, and he's like, he's like, what are you doing here? And then he just goes on this tangent about brunch to Batman. Like, come on, dude. Come on. And, like, also, I guarantee Bruce Wayne, as the CEO of Wayne Enterprises, has a lot of brunch meetings. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, that guy's chomping some buttered toast while like negotiating Fortune 500 deals. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I just, it's just stupid, and I that's and a, you know that criticism because people should be more eloquent and, and analytical, but it is just simply stupid. To be fair, uh, you know I'm not a huge fan of Ezra Miller, uh, notwithstanding the fact that he's on the verge of being canceled as well, but the Flash. In moments is one of the only decent things in this entire film. I I will say that for him. In a in a pile of garbage, he's the one piece that it's like, okay, I respect what you did there. Because he's fun. It may not work all the time, but he's fun and it works for me. When I initially saw the movie, I agreed with you. Upon at least a minimum of three rewatches since. I find them to be more annoying and grating than entertaining, especially as like the jokes continue to land softer and softer because I've seen them. Yeah, so that's fair. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of over it at this point. Yeah. Because we have now rewatched justice league several times, both on our own because we're superhero fans and because we were preparing for this pod. I want to ask you, is there a scene or a moment or an element that makes you go like, Oh, wait, 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 rewind that real quick just to see it again. It doesn't have to be good. It could just be bad and hilarious. But is there something that causes you to go back and take a second look? Because that is where you find kind of the nitty gritty details that make or break a movie, in my opinion. So we touched on the one when uh, Aquaman sits on the truth rope. Or what's its real name? Does it have the lasso of truth? And then what's her sword's name? Does her sword have a name? I don't know. It's above my pay grade. Uh, uh, so that scene is fun. Uh, when the Flash is trying to fight Superman and Superman 
turns and looks at him. Uh, I think that that's pretty cool. And not only that, but he not only turns and looks at him, but engages in a high-speed fight with him. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, and again, these are these are so these, we're talking moments, brief moments across a film that's two hours long. Uh, and then I think the Deathstroke post credit scene may be the best scene in the entire movie. <laughs> Which is a brutal indictment of the film. But that is something like I was like, that is the Justice League I want to see. Lex, Deathstroke. Perhaps bring in like uh, you know a third villain from either Cyborg or Flash. That would have been an interesting way to team them up before jumping right into the like cosmic threat. And that um, was supposed to set up Ben Affleck's version of the Batman, which would have featured Deathstroke, which would have been a really cool hand-to-hand combat antagonist for Batman to tangle with. Sure. Obviously, we're not getting that anymore. Yeah, but and his costume looks great too. Um, Big time. Yeah. So those, so those are my three. They're not great, as we've said, and I think as you feel, this is not a great film. So there's not much to pick from. I think I've picked all the good scenes, so I'm going to be shocked to hear yours. So mine, shocker, is a negative one. And it's uh, one I had to do a double take on and rewind because I wasn't sure if I saw what I saw. Similar to Lois interrupting Clark during a very important moment of self-expression, I couldn't believe they did this. They are taking Clark's body into the ship to resurrect him, right? Uh-huh. Now, Clark has been buried with a picture of his father. Now, that says to any thinking, rational human being with a heart, that must mean a lot to the Kent family. That picture, correct? Is yes. Just sad in yes. His- They're putting his body in the water, and they just let the picture fall into the water. Like, these are six superheroes all watching this happen. One of them has super speed, and they let this family memento of a fallen, beloved patriarch fall into the water and become ruined for no reason. It's such a dick move. Like, if I was Superman and I woke up, I'd like, none of you just could have pocketed the picture while you put me in a slimy alien pool? None of you? Like, what are you doing? I think it, it just goes to show that they're only thinking about them. At that point, nothing else. Only their goal. It's funny too, because like the camera angle, it's like a close-up of the picture falling and like submerging, which is supposed to be metaphorical and dramatic. And I just can't help but thinking like, these are some inconsiderate superheroes. If one of my buddies like spilled Coke on my iPhone, I'd be like, bro, you know, have some respect for my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not a beloved family memento that I'm buried in my casket with. Yeah, that's a great shout. Great shout. And you know you uh you you bring up that scene and I I want to add one more when Superman comes back to life and confronts Batman and he's like and again this is a fake stash scene so it looks ridiculous even though it could be cool he's like Batman says the world needs you and then Clark says back but do they need you which I was like all right that's sick and then he's like he says, you won't let me live. You won't let me die. Also sick. And then he goes for the, uh, the home run threat. He goes, and now this is Superman saying to Batman, starting to come back to and recall his life. He goes, tell me, do you bleed? And I was like, all right, Superman. I fuck, I, I, 
I respect that. Like him coming back with a vengeance and dropping those lines on him. Three good lines if his mustache didn't look like it was painted on with crayon would have been kind of sick. Evil Soups was pretty cool. I definitely concede that. And I'll, and I'll get to that a little bit more in a second. Now, we have been essentially dunking on this movie for almost an hour now. I am going to ask you to synthesize all of that clownery into one answer here. What is the single worst thing you can say about Justice League? It is maybe the most forgettable comic book film I've ever seen. There are leg- There is legitimately not one scene that causes you to think back. Like We've had to intently watch and take notes, and we're barely even naming. We're, we're kind of naming moments more than entire scenes. There's no one scene where it's like, from start to end, that scene was dope. Not one. There is not a line reading that you like remember that sticks with you that hits your brain or your heart. As I said at the top, it's like an it, it, it's like an AI idea of what a comic book film should be—a complete jumbled mess. Um, in terms of the hype, I mean, again, we're talking about some of the most famous—not only just like comic book characters, but general heroes in existence. I mean, it doesn't get bigger than than the, than that big three. So when you look at it in the context of this was their first chance at a first. Sorry, this was their only chance at a first chance, and they absolutely blew it. Uh, so the worst thing that I could say about this is that it is a disaster, an absolute <laughs> d- disaster, period, the end. Now, my answer, I texted it to you so you already know, but what I said to the folks at home to Eric on the phone Justice League is so generic and devoid of any singular vision or personality that it makes Suicide Squad look positively Kubrickian by comparison. And that's facts right there. That was a great way, way to put it because you said that to me because I hit you up saying like, I can't even form an opinion about this movie. Which it's is a like, fair take to have. It's like, it's like how, how do you feel about white walls, Brandon? You know... Not strongly. <laughs> How am I supposed to answer that? How am I supposed to sit around and talk about that? So I think you summed up what I was trying to say to you perfectly. Now, the opposite of that, because we don't want to just have this be a complete and utter DeAndre Jordan dunk fest. What is the nicest thing you can say about Justice League? Uh, so I said this one at one point. The, I think the suits all look great. I understand what you you meaning in that Batman suit looking cheaper than it did in the last film because of the way that they tampered with like you know the coloring um but i still think on the whole the suits just looked good in terms of how they compare to their comics and how they actually physically looked on screen uh and then i will say that and i can't believe that we haven't brought this up yet the amazonian battle scene is sort of good that's the nicest thing that I could say about this entire film. When Steppenwolf shows up and they like use the arrows to keep the, the box moving on horseback and stuff. And then the flashback fight scene when like the green lanterns show up and it's like all the powers on earth are fighting about it, fighting against dark side forces. Um, pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. I- I have a similar answer in that 
I pinpointed out of the entire movie four scenes that I think are varying levels of decent. That is the opening credits, because Zack Snyder is really, really good at opening credits, and that dates through all of his movies. That is the Wonder Woman introduction, where she's fighting off the terrorists and saving all those people and kind of super speed blocking all the machine gun bullets at the hostages. That was cool. The flashback scene that you mentioned, in which we get some really good world-building elements. We get the Green Lantern. We get the Greek gods. I hope they expand that more in future DCEU properties. And then number four, Superman fighting the Justice League, which has comedic elements and is just a cool concept and has Superman, you know, basically lobbing verbal grenades at Batman. I know you. Please don't make me do this. though this scene is kind of this movie is devoid of any standout material now to that point though if you catch justice league on cable are you watching yes or no no 1000 times no i may even call cable and complain and be like why are you why are you putting this garbage on my tv there are innocent people out there who may have never seen this and you're subjecting them to this garbage i may cancel my subscription and throw the tv out the window i am I watching the innocent comcast customer service rep on the other end trying to deal with that situation i go full scorched earth i brandon this this watch for this podcast may be the last time i ever Actually, you know what? God willing, this, that will be the last time I ever watch that film in, in my entire life. Not only is it bad, but as, as a fan, as a comic book nerd, as somebody who has looked forward to, to this shit for years, it's offensive. It's downright offensive. All right, well, I think that answers my next question. But So, no, I don't. I will not watch it on cable. <laughs> okay, so I, I think now I know what you're going to say, but <laughs> do you want a sequel to Justice League? No. <laughs> I mean, my answer, I, I, my answer is no as well, but it's also yes. And what I mean by that is I want a new Justice League movie at some point a few years down the line with these actors and these characters, but it just doesn't acknowledge this Justice League movie whatsoever. It's not a direct follow-up. It is like a new adventure that just happens to feature the same people. Yeah, but we're not going to get that because as we know with what they're doing with The Flash and they're going to bring in Keaton's Batman, it looks like they're sort of give, not giving up on, on the shared world, but it seems like they're going to take a different route from here on out. They're going to try and blow the whole thing up. 
if Superman, if Henry Cavill does return to the role, I will guarantee you anything that eventually, at some point, we get another form of a Justice League movie because there's simply too much money to be but made. But with which Batman? I don't know. I, I they, they're they're so they're in so deep now. They're, they've they've created such a web that I don't see how they could bring these characters back together. There's there's just simply too much money to be made for a workable, competent Justice League for it not to happen at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's and that said, I'm hyped as hell for the uh, Snyder Cut. I mean, I'm pumped. I can't wait to see what that is. And I mean, assuming Snyder Cut's a hit, it's like three years from now, they're like, hey, you know, we should do, uh, you know, Justice League colon, let's get the gang back together and just not yeah. not like the previous theatrical. I'm glad movie. that you have hope for that because that's just nice that you do. I have none. <laughs> I, I have zero. I have zero faith in that. Now, re-watching this movie, I think we've kind of established that it was a bit of a slog for both of us, but are there any cool trivia facts or fun observations that you would like to point out before we move on to our, our last topic? So I've had to burn all mine during, during the course of this podcast because there's, there's just not much else to talk about. Um, but I will suppose I'll say when the green lantern is fighting in that scene and it, and he dies and his ring shoots and flies off. Obviously that was a nod of it going towards John Stewart or Hal Jordan. Remember that scene takes place thousands of years ago. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. So, so something that I thought was cool was not even cool. It was just flying away. Well, because whenever a green lantern dies, it either goes to the next user it or goes to the next one, right? Or it goes back to Oa, where the Guardians are. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Typically, like, one or the other. Um, oh, so then that's all I have. I used all mine. It was the lines that Superman said, Batman, uh, the tell me, do you bleed, I thought was a, a, a cool way to bring that line back in and for, like, Superman to be like, not only do I remember, but I'm still pissed off about it. Yeah. Like a pissed off Superman as a mortal man is terrifying. Yeah, yeah right. So, so I have two things for this. Number one is just a, a fun little bit of trivia. The prison guard, the actor who plays the prison guard, when Barry Allen goes to visit his dad and he has to sign in, you remember? Yes. So that guy actually played Jimmy Olsen in the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Oh, interesting. Okay. A fun little hey. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then number two, this is also something I texted you, and this is straight verbatim from my notes. The most realistic thing about the completely nonsensical Justice League is that Lois Lane, a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter, still doesn't have her own office. Yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a perfect summation for media in 2020. Thank you and good night. They even bring it up. Uh, Diane Lane is like, Clark used to say that you're going to bring home another one. So she has dreams of being a two-time Pulitzer Prize winner, and she still is out in uh, the pit unbelievable yeah, it's just like the daily planet is clearly hurting financially when its star <laughs> reporter has to answer phone calls next to the intern yeah great great shout now before we kind of sign off all together we've had some distance from justice league and with that comes hindsight you know all that good stuff what do you think the movie's legacy is and since the film, at the time of its release, lost Warner Brothers $100 million, do you think the studio should have pulled the plug and just rebooted the DCEU altogether? 
That's a tough question, man, because what came bombs out here. What came prior wasn't that bad. Like, do you want to get rid of Gal Gadot? No, of course you don't. Absolutely. Uh, but it but would it be overall beneficial for the bottom line of the story to start from scratch? Probably. I mean, it's going to be, as you said, that you think that we will perhaps see uh, Justice League down the line with this cast. I don't know how they're going to get that bad taste out of my mouth. You know, they're going to have to do a lot of legwork to get me back in. Uh, I mean, I'm still in on the DCEU as a whole, especially the way that they seem to be going with you know, the Batman and what, and what we're hearing the Flash is going to be. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to bring in the Rock soon. So there's a lot to like. But should they have pulled the plug? Because it's been two years. Actually, no, sorry. It's been three years now. So now they definitely can't. Had they done it at the time, I think it would have been the right call. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you. In terms of Justice League legacy, I, I think it is the epitome of unmet expectations in Hollywood, which is extremely sad. And in terms of should they pull a plug or not, at the time when it was bombing and just critically reviled, I did think yes. Because we've seen the aftermath where, you know, Aquaman's the highest grossing DC movie ever. Um, You know, other potential franchises have started with Shazam. Uh, You know, we got a really highly anticipated Wonder Woman sequel coming. I no longer think they should have pulled the plug. I think they were probably smart to pivot towards more standalone-esque efforts. And I do think that is a smart way to keep the shared universe foundation in place while kind of doing their own thing a little bit. But, you know, ultimately, we're going to see. Because they're still on the road to recovery. They've done a great job, DC Films, that is, in rebounding from what was a critical and commercial disaster. But can they keep the momentum going and can they rebuild to a point where they are going punch for punch with Marvel in terms of consistent critical and commercial success? That's one of the most fascinating questions in the industry today and one I'm really, really, really excited to see answered in the coming years. See, DC to me has a huge hand up in, in one sense. They're villains. Their villains, I think, are, I mean, just Batman alone, you could make a standalone film about every single one of his rogues. And if you were to expense it right, would probably turn turn a uh, profit. So I think that they, if they go about it right, can they go punch for punch in, in the sense of like, can their end game, can their, can, can their next event film top end game? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think we're going to see a movie top end game for a good long while. Yeah. Okay. If ever. Like, I don't think Avatar 2 is going to reclaim the, cr- the crown. Good. I, and, and that is a podcast for its own day because, boy, do I have thoughts about that film. We both have thoughts, thoughts on that. All right. But that is enough for our thoughts on Justice League. If you want more of the nitty gritty day to day reactions to the Justice League, the DCU, all this good stuff, follow us on Twitter at great underscore Catsby at Eric underscore Ital. Be sure to check out the previous podcast episodes where we hit Man of Steel, BVS, and be sure to tune in to the next one where we are tackling Wonder Woman. Finally, kind of an upswing of a happy topic. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, it's about time that we're going to talk about a film that's across the board seen as good. Now, before we go, we got to do what we do at the end of every episode. 
where do you rank Justice League on the DCEU scale? Bottom. Dead last. Period. The end. Yeah, I, 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 and I don't even like Shazam or... Which I do like. Suicide Squad that much, but this is miles and miles worse. This is the worst film that they've put out. It should have been the biggest. It should have been, been the best, and they missed in every conceivable way. I still think I put Justice League one rung above Suicide Squad. To me, wow. Suicide Squad is still the bottom of the barrel of the DCU and the most incomprehensible mess of the franchise. Yeah, but you yourself said that at least it has like so- somewhat of a, I don't know, vision. It tries something. It kind of tries something. I think the original villain, villain, I think the original vision was so muddled by studio interference that we don't get much of what we had hoped to get when that first really cool, dark, gritty trailer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying Justice League's bad, but not the absolute worst. Well, anyway, that is our extensive, endless, maybe a little bit repetitive thoughts on Justice League. Thank God. I am so glad to be done. <laughs> it feels like a cathartic release because he never has to think about this movie ever again. Nope. You guys can still think about it. You can think about it while you listen to our other pods that we've done where we hit Man of Steel, Batman v Superman. You can think about it in the days leading up to next episode where we're tackling Wonder Woman. Finally, a kind of positive, uplifting upswing of a topic that we can really dig deep on and not just feel like we're hedging our bets and clowning on something. And not, and not want to bash our head through our wall. <laughs> exactly. So that is something to look forward to. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter at great underscore Catsby, at Eric underscore Ital. Have a good one, you guys, and keep watching superhero stuff. Brandon, Eric. do you bleed? A lot. I'm bleeding too, man. That was tough. I wish I could swim Just like a dolphin Like dolphins can swim But nothing, nothing keep us